You're listening to Core Stories. I'm Emily Brett, the Communications Director here at Otter Creek Church. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already listened to Season 1, head over and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a rating. It'll help other people find us. We are thrilled that there has been so much interest in Core Stories and all of the people that you sit next to at church, or even if you don't come to Otter Creek, if you're just interested in the daily lives of regular people and how those lives intersect with Jesus, I'm glad you're here. Thank you for listening. After spending a summer at an internship with Made in the Streets in Nairobi, Kenya, Brady Bates came back and shared with me some formative experiences that he had over those three months, the ways that he was changed and the gifts that he received from that experience. If you have not already, you should backtrack to season one of Core Stories and take a listen to the Colstons episode, which was episode 10, and they will give an overview in more detail of what Made in the Streets or Mitts is all about to give you some context for Brady and his experience. Hi, my name's Brady Bates, and I've, uh, I've been going Otter Creek since I was, um, I guess, born, yeah. Right. So I grew up at, uh, at Otter Creek. I've been going here my whole life, but um, I, I went to Lipscomb University. I first heard about MITS, I guess just like growing up. So I, I grew up at Otter Creek and I'd heard about it my entire time here, but I didn't really know much about it. It's just kind of one of those things that is always in the back of your mind because it's been, you've been exposed to it, but you don't really, you couldn't say anything much about it. And I had a, a couple friends who interned there um, a few summers prior to me going, and I'd heard about it more through them than I had most of my time at Otter Creek. And that's when I started to sort of put it on my radar more seriously. And then I picked up um, I picked up a missionary minor the fall of my junior year. So I started to sort of really get interested in missions, and it was something that's always been on my heart, uh, cross-cultural and just um, different ethnic groups. But I started to pursue a potential internship for this past summer. And so at that point, I was thinking like, you know, I'm, I'm getting older, I'm about to graduate, and it's less likely that once I graduate, I'm gonna have time to go live abroad. It's just, you, you have to, start to adult, you know, and make money. So it's not as easy just to spend three months living in Nairobi or somewhere else. So at that point, I really just started to ask people like Steve Sherman and um, other people that I consider mentors at church and, and school about their two cents in regards to like what I should do, what they thought was the most beneficial use of my time in regards to like what I'm interested in and what I would not only personally benefit, but be able to benefit to the organization. And Steve was one of the big players in that. He he strongly encouraged me to go abroad if that's what, what I felt called to do. And obviously, if I didn't feel called to do that, I shouldn't. But um, he he's done a ton of missions uh, in Guatemala and across the world, and is I believe on the board for Mits. In fact, but. He, he encouraged me. That was the first thing he said. I walked up to him and I said, um, hey, Steve, I'm thinking about doing something cross-cultural this summer. Like, what do, you, what do you recommend to me? And his first thing he said to me was mitts. But 
my initial reaction was like, mm, I don't want to do the first thing that was mentioned to me. So I really, I really fought that for a long time. And I guess it was part of me wanting to be unique or different or just not go with the first option given to me. So I, I resisted that recommendation and didn't totally dismiss it, but I, uh, I wanted to really exhaust my resources before I pulled the trigger on something. So I started asking some other people and it seemed like every single person I asked, it just kept pointing back to mitts. And it, it, after like five times, I was like, all right, maybe I should at least entertain this a little bit more and not totally dismiss it. And uh, so I went back and talked to, talked to Steve and I ended up getting my application in and long story short, uh, talked to Cecily Breeding, who is uh, in, she works at Pepperdine, but um, yeah, so I, I, got in, I got involved in MITS and ultimately got offered an internship this summer, past summer. Um, Made in the Streets, it was started in 1995 by the Colstons as well as a few other um, people. And it is an organization based out of Nairobi, Kenya, that has a mission of providing street children with a future, not only spiritually, but physically and educationally. So the Colstons went over in 1995 and they noticed this huge, huge need for um, just help with street kids because there's just an abundance of them. And I, I experienced that while I was there myself. And they were just kind of overwhelmed and convicted to go back and start something to alleviate that, that problem. So the Colstons, it, it wasn't just an overnight switch, but they got involved with another ministry there. And then um, to leave out a whole lot of story and, and, and backstory, but they, uh, they ended up starting Made in the Streets, which uh, it actually wasn't strictly started by them. They started doing a ministry downtown in the Eastleigh area, which is kind of like the outskirts of what Nashville would be. And this organization that they call Made in the Streets is formed in the streets. It was actually made in the streets by young street kids who were in their 16 to young 20s. And they started ministering and it really just grew and blossomed. So fast forward to today, Made in the Streets now, it brings in boys and girls from the greater Nairobi area as well as the outskirts. Of, of Kenya and it offers them an education, but also it feeds them when they don't have food and it gives them a spiritual life too. So it's a, it's a really just great, a great way to foster a problem that has been existing in Kenya and around the world for forever, I would imagine. I think that any culture you go to that's outside of the Western hemisphere. And I mean, you could go to South America and that's quite a bit different or Central America, but anything outside of the United States is gonna be vastly different once you go over to Africa or, or the Far East. It's just, um, you're gonna notice differences, but I had never been to Africa before. I'd been to South America, Europe and, uh, and Asia, but never Africa. And I'd seen pictures and a picture is worth a thousand words, but an experience is worth far more than that. And you can hear stories from people, uh, you can watch videos, and you can even just see pictures, but until you're there and you see and smell and, and taste what that place is, you don't really understand. 
and I could show you every single picture I have from this summer and um, it would it would make an impact, but it's still just not the same as when you're there in person. So I think that was one of the biggest things is I didn't realize how how much of an impact being there in person would have. Because when you're uh, when you're looking at a at a photo or video of a kid who is living on the street and doesn't have a family and doesn't have food, and you see that from from a screen, then it doesn't impact you quite as much as when you're there in person and you make an eye to eye contact and you just you kind of connect with the person. It's totally different. So I would say that one of the biggest things is just the connection that comes with being there in person and how much how much of a difference that makes and the impact that it has. So this summer, um, I was actually, I was, so I was looking on the intern page initially when I was first trying to decide whether or not I should go to MITS and at first glance, like none of the internships that were listed really spoke to me. I didn't really want to do any of them. And I was kind of bummed out because I was like, I thought this is the place that I should be. All the doors seem to lead here and all the fingers are pointing to this, to this door, like what, what's going on? And it's not because the internships are bad, but it just didn't seem to be what I felt called to do. But uh, my friend Jacob Matthews, him and this guy named TJ Keeter, they, the year before, the summer before, they had actually done an internship called the Street Ministry Internship, which uh, essentially was um, a lot of time spent at Eastley, which is more like the downtown Nairobi area as opposed to Kamulu, which is where you have the, the school that the kids are boarding at, and that would be more like a Cookville, Tennessee. So it's out in the country. And I wanted to be in the heart of it. I wanted to go to the bases. I wanted to experience all the tough stuff and just be be in the grit and the dirt. And none of the internships that I saw in there were really allowing me to fully invest in that. So I talked to uh, Cecily Breeding and ended up getting a job uh, as the street ministry intern. So that was kind of a new thing that hasn't um, been officially done yet, but I guess it has now since I'm back. So with that internship, I would go to Eastley roughly three to five times a week, depending on the week and the activities. And we would alternate. The Eastley team consisted of about seven people. And we would go out and do base walks, which a base is similar to maybe like a homeless camp here or like a, a mixture between like a homeless camp and a, and a gang uh, kind of like Lord of the Flies. I wrote a I wrote a post on it, but it's kind of like Hook and Lord of the Flies meet in the worst way possible. The kids, which can range from basically babies to adults, they uh, so any age. But a lot of times you have ten to sixteen year olds. They they'll congregate at different areas. So you'll have a landmark, a tree, a bridge, uh, old building that is their base, and that's where they live. And within that, they have uh, an alpha, which is one of the older boys who is going to oversee everything and sort of direct the different events that happen in the base. So you'll have someone who goes and gets food and steals food, someone who steals money or uh, begs for money, and then someone who does this, that, and the other. So you're all sort of assigned different jobs. And um, within the base, you have all these kids just sort of living in things of cardboard or plastic and random stuff like that. 
the Eastley team would go out and alternate days. So there's about seven or eight of us that work there. And we'd have maybe two of us go out and do a base walk. So we go to different bases and minister and preach to them. But all the same, we, we take food. So we help their spiritual, but also physical needs. So what we do is we go there, do a little lesson, give them some food, like a snack or something, the boys or girls who live there, and then uh, let them know about Main the Streets. Because a lot of them have heard about it, but some of them haven't. So we say like, hey, come to Eastley. And if you come here, then you can get admitted to Kamulu and be in the boarding school. So we would spend one day doing that, half the day doing that. And then the other crew would be back at Eastley with the kids who had been coming to program and would feed them, give them a Bible lesson, activities to partake in, and just uh, keep them off the streets, off of the, the drugs, and give them a better environment than, than what they have on the streets and give them food. So that was an average day at Eastley. There's a, there's a lot of difficult stuff that you experience when you're over there, especially working at Eastley. I would, it was about an hour and a half commute every day to there. And then from there, so about three hours in the Metatus, which is super sketchy. But you see just a lot of crazy stuff. You're in the heart of the city. It's dirty. There's a lot of poverty in Mathari Valley. So Eastley is right next to Mathari. And you see, uh, you see a lot of nasty stuff. And it's just totally different from anything that I can relate to in the States. I think one of the really difficult things was maybe, I mean, seeing kids on drugs, that's pretty messed up. Seeing 10-year-olds walking around with a bottle of glue, that's not normal. And seeing 11 and 12-year-olds, maybe even an 8-year-old with a rag soaked in jet fuel huffing that, that's also kind of hard to wrap your mind around. And... I wouldn't say you ever get used to that totally, but it becomes more normal to a degree when you see that every day. But that's one of the great things that MITS offers is is a, is a way out of that because that, that lifestyle is poisonous and it's just a cycle that continues to uh, feed itself. And it's, it's really hard to break, but I think that's one great thing that Eastley was doing is giving them an alternative to ultimate death with all that stuff. One thing I really struggled with while I was there is just the contrast between myself at that age and those kids. They're 12 years old, 14 years old. And I elaborated on this a little bit in my blog, but I was worrying about what I was doing after my youth soccer game on a Saturday at that age at 13, 14. And one of the boys that I got to go back to his home with, he lived on the outskirts of Dandora, which is the biggest trash dump in Kenya. It's just miles and mountains of trash. Unbelievable. And also one of the most dangerous places. But him and his mom live there. And he was, uh, he's 13. But he, he would spend every day looking for scrap metal and plastic to support the family with his mom. So they would just rummage around in the, in the garbage to, to get trash to make money for food. And I'm just sitting here thinking like how far from that am i like how how can i empathize in any level to what a majority of these people are experiencing on a daily basis a, f a 13 14 year old kid rummaging around in, in trash when i was probably wondering who i was going to play airsoft with you know and that's not a you can become you can feel really guilty for that but which is kind of hard it's hard to fight that guilt 
but it's not it's not my fault that I I was in that position. It's just uh, I don't know. It makes you think how just how different how different of lives you can live from somebody else. It's pretty stunning. I think one of the there's been a lot of negativity said because it's there is a lot of crappy stuff that you see and experience there, but there's a lot of beautiful beautiful things that happen too. And it was re- it's really cool to see the kids who come from, I got to be part of an intake, which is when they come from Eastleigh and they get accepted and get offered a place at, at Kamulu. And I was part of one of those, which is one of the hardest, but one of the coolest things that I got to, that I got to do. Cause I, I was privileged to have an input as to which boys we actually brought in, which is awesome. Because I, I was hanging out with them every day and I, I had a say in that. But it's also just so much pressure and just it makes you sick to think that out of all these boys in here, you can only you can only choose three who get to come into programs. So it's uh, it's really hard. But it's also a beautiful thing to see how far these kids come from, from the streets. Because I would go back to Kamulu and see these boys who are in school already and who I've known since I've been there and I would appreciate them so much more for the effort that they put in. I, I talked to some boys who rode on the back of a truck just holding on for hours every single day to go to Eastleigh for over a year. And now they're in school in Kamulu. And the fact that they did, they put that much effort into it. That's you really want to change if you do that. And it makes you respect them and really opens your eyes to like how much work God is doing there in the lives. Like he's, he's doing a lot. We just have to provide uh, what he's calling us to provide. I don't think it was anything I did that provided me with what I needed for this summer. I think I felt a calling from God to go there and I could have said no and life would have been fine, but that's where I felt my heart was being pulled to. And I followed that and God provided me with what he knew I needed for that. It's not anything that I earned or followed a, like a book in order to receive. I just think that he, he knew that that was going to be hard. And if I didn't have those compassion or uh, love overflowing over my anger and question, then I wouldn't have survived this summer. I would have been burnt out a weekend. So I don't think it's anything that I did. And sure, like preparation with prayer and meditation and community, thats that stuff's greatly beneficial, but I can't claim anything that I received. And all that is like nothing short of God because I was just a tool. So I was there to be used and we all have different uses. I was there to be used and he used me how he wanted to use me. It's not anything that I did or prepared for. He he took care of that because I, I presented myself present. I was present and he used me how he intended. So yeah, had I not gone this summer, God would have found somebody else who was equally as capable to do that work. And I took something and I have gifts that I took with me this summer, but that's not anything that couldn't have been used through someone else. I was able to use what I've been blessed with and take it there, but I also feel like I took as much as I gave to Mitz in Kenya. And they had as much to offer as I did. Maybe more, honestly. And 
it just opens your mind up and changes your perspective on things when you get to experience that. It's not something that we're going in and fixing because we can't do that. It's something that only God does. But we are blessed with opportunities like like Made in the Streets to partake in God's mission, the overall mission. And I think that's a blessing. That's a huge blessing to partake in like in working alongside our Father and letting Him manifest the Spirit through us. So I was privileged to do that this summer. And it's it's easy to think that we're going and fixing things. And I like to do that. I like to go fix things and make them better. But yeah, it's just so far from the truth because that's just not how it was. I want to fix that problem, but you just can't. You can't fix a... You can't fix all the street kids in the world. It's impossible. I'm quite a bit different since coming back, and I don't see how... I would say most people who've gone there, it changes them at least to a degree. Some people more severely than others, but it's... what What's happening in Nairobi and with Made in the Streets is something that's going on globally. Uh, in, in America, we're in the 1%, and especially in the Brentwood and Nashville area, we're way up in that 1%. So getting a taste and seeing what's in Nairobi isn't just a unique situation. It's kind of just, uh, I would say that's a more normal situation than what we experience every day here in Nashville. So once you see that, I feel like your your eyes are kind of open to the reality of like what is going on in the world. Because it's easy to become isolated in, in comfort and in luxury and try and sort of ignore or play ignorant to the fact that a lot of that stuff's going on. And once you see it in person and make relationships with people who are living on the street or living in a in a 10 by 10 room with their family, then it really humbles you. And I suppose you could definitely come back and totally just uh, erase any memory of being there if you wanted to and, and try and forget or um, act like it didn't happen. But I would say that in most cases, I can, for me, I can speak for myself, but yeah, it definitely changes you. It makes you think about your daily life here and just uh, what you're doing in general. What is what is life in general, you know? Big questions. How do you make an actual change in, in your life here that's gonna affect somebody across the world? Yeah, I think that one, one really just tough thing about coming back is most people haven't experienced that or anything remotely close in in the United States. So finding much empathy or relatability from people is difficult. And that brings with it struggles of like them understanding. So I try and think of like, what are some changes that I can make in my daily life? And I don't really know. Um, I guess I'm more conscious about leftovers now, you know, after seeing kids eat old spaghetti that's in a dumpster that's kind of you're more aware of like throwing stuff away and there's not kids that I can go get my leftovers to on the street here thank god but I also can't like ship that food over to them so I'm sure there's some small changes you could uh like Rob Rob uh, Touchstone he he runs the well he he tries to take money that would be used for um, relatively expensive coffee and put it towards a good use so you could do a similar thing and either not drink coffee and put that money towards a mission. You can do little things like that and replace and maybe fast from one thing so that someone has food here. But I don't think there's just like a, an answer to that problem. 
And I think that's really hard because you want to be able to come back and just fix it or do something here that's going to directly impact and just save them. But ultimately, like we're not we're not capable of saving anyone because you want to just come back and feel like, oh, I, I saw all this stuff and I'm going to work towards the solution. And I think that there are some ways you can work to the solution, but it's not a it's not a snap of a finger. It's more than that. It takes time and there's a lot of difficult questions you have to ask yourself and difficult things you have to deal with in order to hopefully reach a, not even a solution, but something that's going to help. So it's frustrating. Yeah. I would say anybody who's thinking about going, I would, I would absolutely encourage them to go and experience Made in the Streets and what Otter Creek's doing over there, along with other churches and organizations that it's just, it's amazing. And I think that if you can, and if you have time, seeing it with your own eyes and experiencing it with your own feet and your own hands and your own feelings is just, uh, it's priceless. And I think that if you can manage to go there, your life's gonna be changed, whether in a small way or a huge way, it's gonna be changed forever. So I would absolutely recommend that anyone thinking of doing an internship or a summer mission trip there, it's 110% worth it. And there are so many benefits in different ways to going there and seeing the work that's, that God's doing through those people. Core Stories is a ministry of the Otter Creek Church in Brentwood, Tennessee. To find more stories, go to ottercreek.org stories or follow us on Instagram at Otter Creek Church.